Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mind Control Podcast, your home for tips on mind control, hypnosis, psychic abilities, and telepathic communication. I'm your host, Jim Nippenberg, so let's get started. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So welcome to today's podcast. We're continuing from the one we did yesterday on where does telepathic communication take place, and today's is can you telepathically frame someone? So this is one of those things to give you a little bit of thought here, uh, some stuff to think about, the implications of this. What can you do with telepathic communication, especially when other people are not aware? I talked about uh, last time, about with MRIs that we know that people's brains light up in different areas when they um, when they have certain thoughts or emotions, and we also know that uh, like the Germans, I saw this on cable years and years ago. So this is like way advanced beyond that. You know, like when you see these things on cable, what some government somewhere is doing, they're not showing you what they know. They're showing you like a drop in the bucket. Okay, it's like when when um, they show you high res photos from space or something. They're not telling you that they can read a dime from a mile up in the sky. Okay, they're showing you a little drop in the bucket. So this this cable show, and I don't even remember what it was. They uh, they were talking about. Uh, how the Germans were working with laser technology, and they could show someone a picture, like, say, of a crime scene, and they could read with that laser whether or not the person had seen that scene before or whether they were seeing it for the first time. So one of the the things that they were hoping to someday do, and, and of course, some of you would would be appalled at this because it amounts to... um, questioning someone and and getting answers from them without their consent. In other words, if someone chooses to not answer, um, well, they've just answered anyway because you've got the readout on the laser. But there's some interesting things that this brings up. So, like, say that they they think they have a suspect, and um, they show them the crime scene, and depending on how that laser reading picks up their brain activity, there's brain activity for... um, remembered images versus something they've seen for the first time. So the idea being is if the person was there and they committed the crime, it would register as them already have, having seen it. And so does this mean then that because our memories light up parts of our brain, does that mean that, that telepathic communication is localized in the brain? We know there are, there are things in the brain, for instance, the pituitary gland, the pineal gland, that are important for telepathic communication. Occipital um, lobe and things like our visual cortex, uh, we use our visual cortex whether our eyes work or not to make images. You mean, you can close your eyes and still use your visual cortex to, to, to visualize. But they also know that the people that have been brain damaged or that have had part of their brain um, removed, you know, years ago they used to not be as ethical with their experiments. Uh, but they found out that, that people with brain damage, a lot of times they'll have um, neural networks that reroute. It's sort of like if you have your internet and there's a cable cut. Depending on where the cable cut is, you might not have internet at your house, but the internet doesn't go dead. It reroutes. 
Well, your brain kind of does the same thing. And people sometimes have this idea of um, brain being the, the important part of telepathy. Well, we know that we have three minds and the conscious, the subconscious, and then the, the superconscious or higher self. And then there's probably more beyond that. The, the thing is, though, that your your superconscious and your subconscious work together telepathically. We know that there's telepathic communication between your thoughts and the cells all the way down to the cellular level, even if the cells are separated in another room. And you can go back and review the last podcast if you'd like more information on that. So, but they, they discovered that they could find out um, whether or not somebody had been there at the crime scene and seen the crime photo or seen the, the crime as it was after the fact, you know, by showing them pictures of it. Uh, implication, probably you could show them video, like if you had um, video footage but you couldn't tell who the person was because they were disguised or whatever. Probably you could show them uh, video and see if they've been there for the whole thing or not. And the cable show didn't get into that, but it kind of makes sense. If you can show them a picture, you can show them a video clip of the thing happening and know if they've seen it or not. Well, this brings up some interesting points regarding telepathic communication and remote viewing, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. First, we're going to do a, uh, a quick 61-second break, and I'll be right back. Hello, friend. Do you wish you had more telepathic ability? My name is Jim Nippenberg, and I've got good news for you. I've put together a program called Silent Mental Commands. It's designed to get you more persuasive power in your life and to get you more of what you want. It's organized into three easy-to-study sections. The first gets you comfortable with you being in power, you being in command. Section two builds on that and shows you how to seamlessly weave nearly undetectable commands into your normal, everyday conversation and the third section shows you how to begin to form and issue silent mental commands that go straight to the person's subconscious mind. The steps are easy to follow, and almost everyone can experience some improvement with these skills. You can test it out for yourself absolutely risk-free. Simply send an email message to silentcommands at mindcontrolresources.com or visit mindcontrolresources.com. Thank you, and I'll see you there. All right, thank you and welcome back. Are you enjoying today's podcast so far? All right, great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm enjoying it too. So, um, can you telepathically frame someone? I remember years ago seeing war f- uh, footage, war documentary on the Korean War on, um, on cable. And the, I had the weirdest feeling. It was like, have you ever had that feeling of deja vu, like you've been there before? And I had this weird feeling as if I had been there before. And I asked my friend Doc, uh, Dr. John LaTourette, um, and you can see his website on thespeedman.com. And uh, I I asked him, I said, you know, it's the weirdest thing. Because I know I wasn't alive as an American soldier back in the Korean War. It doesn't make sense. And um, I said, why does it feel as if I had been there? I said, unless there's more than one way to have been there. And I didn't know it, but I had just stumbled on something. There is more than one way to have been there. One way is with remote viewing. Um, I don't know what, how many memories you have from when you were a kid. I have several. And um, 
I used to think people, like I can remember back to like around three, sometimes maybe two-ish, and I used to think that everybody could remember back to when they were like three or four, you know, and I found out a lot of people can't, and I thought like, that's, that, that's strange, but um, they think it's the other way that it's strange that I can remember things that far back. Um, I remember having out-of-body dreams, and it was difficult uh, not to know the difference. Um, I was, you know, as a child, I remember dreaming, thinking I had gotten up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and I'd get up, I'd go to the bathroom, I'd come back, I'd lay down in bed, and I'd still have to pee. I'm like, why is that? Why do I still have to pee? I just got up and peed, Why? and I'd get confused. And then I would wake up, and then, I, oh, and then I'd run to the bathroom and pee. And I... Now, out-of-body dreams are difficult for someone not used to having them to tell the difference between the out-of-body dream um, and what's real. You know, we, we know a lot of times when we dream something that, um, that the dream was, was a dream, right? We wake up, oh, that was a dream. Sometimes, like when you go out of body, if you're not used to it, the, the out-of-body experience, which we all have had, whether we remember them or not, is, is like did that really happen? So there are differences. Those of you with experience with that know that there are some subtle differences. For instance, the colors maybe are more vibrant, more real, or it might be that like you live in Kansas City and you dreamed, uh, you, you went out of body and you were in, you know, Paris, France or something. And you know, well, okay, I didn't just teleport from France. You know, there's no Concorde flight that can take me there in 0.25 seconds and back. Okay, so... <laughs> So those are some, some cues there. But stick with me with this. Um, I remember one time when I was in the Kansas City area, there was a guy um, in, a, in the neighborhood I lived in. These people had beat up cars, but they'd put really expensive stereo systems in their car. And their stereo would be worth more than the car was, which never really made sense to me. But, um, you know, it made sense to them. So, uh, But anyway, it was like five or six in the morning, and some guy was outside in the parking lot, and I was trying to get to sleep. And um, the guy had been blasting his radio with the with the bass really loud, and it was vibrating the walls, making my walls shake. And I remember getting up out of bed, walking through the wall, stepping through the car door, sliding through the car door and into him, this is rude. People are trying to sleep and reaching out with my hand and turning the volume down. And then I went back into bed and the guy, the volume was turned down. And then a few seconds later, the guy drove off, but he turned the, he actually turned the volume down. This is the important part. Not only did I have an out of body experience, I was identifying inside that guy's body, reaching out with my hand Okay, now I haven't had many experiences this vivid that I'm aware of, but I reached out with my hand and turned the radio down, and then the volume got lowered, and several seconds later, a few seconds later, the, the guy drove off. Okay, this is rude. People are trying to sleep, as if I were him. So, you know, um, so where am I going with this with can you frame someone telepathically? Well, that dream was so vivid to me that it seemed real, but then all of a sudden, you know, I know I didn't, I, I know I can't walk through a wall. I know I can't pass through a car door. I know I'm not the other guy. Uh, so there were a lot of things there that kept me from being confused, right? And whether or not 
I actually had the out-of-body experience or just dreamed it or what is irrelevant because we've got all of these things that add up that I got the result I wanted. He turned his stereo down and I got to sleep. Okay. So, what, and that's something important to keep in mind with telepathic communication. You don't necessarily care how the result came about as long as you get the result. As long as it's a good, you know, did I do it or did they do it on their own? Did they do it because I influenced them? Well, I got the result I wanted. Does that make sense? Um, and if you get the result you want and it works out good for everybody, in other words, nobody's harmed in it, it doesn't matter whether whether it happened the way I think it happened or it happened some other way. Okay. Now, the implications of this, um, like I noticed uh, something else that was different. The grass was way greener than I would normally see it physically. So this makes sense as an, uh, for of people that have uh, described out-of-body experiences. This makes sense. The colors are more vibrant, more brilliant. You pass through walls that you know you can't physically do. Okay. So can you be more than one place? Can you be somewhere else uh, without having actually been there when it happened? Well, when you remote view, if you have a vivid enough of a remote viewing, it can seem as if you were there. So this <clears throat> this adds some interesting things here. When I, I used to have a job where 24 hours a day they'd have CNN on, and I remember seeing about like um, <clears throat> the Lacey Peterson story and the... Um, um, Elizabeth, um, the, the girl that was uh, kidnapped out out west, uh, Elizabeth Smart, and I the I get bombarded bombarded all day long with these stories, and then every eight hours the cycle would repeat because they'd repeat their shows for people that work different shifts, and I would spontaneously have out of you know I'd have remote viewings or dreams about these things you know, and uh, it got unpleasant. Because I was getting bombarded with these bad stories, all these bad news, all of these horrible things that happened, and I was remote viewing them based on getting, you know, some people will argue with that def definition of remote viewing. Was it remote viewing because it wasn't uh, a double blind? You know, I knew what the target was, but I was primed to visit that event psychically. Okay, so we'll put it that way to make everybody happy. Um, what I what. And what, what interested me so much about this was that can you get someone else to remote view? Like if they've seen the crime on the news already and they go to sleep at night and it's something that bothers them, will they remote view it in their sleep? And does that count as having seen it as in having been there? Remember with the Korean War footage, I felt strong emotion as if I had been there. I identified with it. Now, there are different psychological reasons why somebody would identify with a story. You know, you, you use a, uh, an isometric metaphor. In other words, uh, a story that that is similar in structure, different in content, and it's used to elicit certain emotions and feelings. And, and so there are more than one way to get somebody to feel and identify with something. Okay. But an, one way... Absolutely, is if they've remote viewed it and remote viewed the emotions and what's going on there and with sensory awareness, uh, not just the sights and the sounds and the and the smells and everything, but also the the feelings, the emotion. Some places are more emotionally loaded than others, and maybe we'll get into that topic, you know, projecting um, emotion to an object 
and how emotions get attached uh, to places and things. Maybe we'll cover that some other time. But um, the, the next question then is if someone can remote view an event and it's as if they had been there, is it possible to telepathically influence someone to remote view it or to telepathically send them pictures of it to make it so that their subconscious mind has already seen the event. So is it possible to use this type of thing to telepathically frame someone? I remember having dreams when I was um, learning this stuff, having dreams of me doing stuff that I know I did not do. First of all, geographically, I couldn't have been in two places at one time. I couldn't have been in, you know, I couldn't automatically wake up and then I'm back in my apartment, you know, after traveling somewhere an hour or more away. And, and it troubled me. I, I'd wake up with these dreams that just like really troubled me. And I figured out that I was going out of body and basically reviewing things that people get attracted to either the things that they like or the things they fear. Uh, Job talked about the thing that uh, f- that I feared the most has overtaken me. Well, when you go to bed at night, you're dreaming about what you had with strong emotion during the day, whether it's favorable or unfavorable, and then the idea of dreaming about the last thing you were thinking about. So if people have subconscious fears or whatever, they're going to dream based on that, um, especially if it's a really strong thing. The, that emotion has to get resolved, Okay. And another topic for another day that we can get into more detail on that. But the point is that I was, I felt horrible. I didn't, I never did anything like that. And um, I found out that, well, no, I hadn't. It was a dream and maybe a dream plus. And so the question is, can you take that crime scene, that memory that you have, if somebody did a crime, you know, could they take that and could they telepathically project that to the other person so that it showed up as a memory of something they've seen and experienced versus something that they've seen for the first time? Interesting question on that. Now, I don't have access to the the German government's lasers, you know, that they use, but it would be very interesting to, to, um, if somebody researched that and found out, could you do that telepathically? Could you give? Could you implant memories? We know, for instance, with hypnosis, you can implant false memories, um, and this is why with um, forensic hypnosis in court cases, they have to be very, very careful and have strict protocols so that they don't accidentally install a memory or a belief in the in the victim that or the or the person testifying. So, anyway. That's all I've got for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Did you enjoy today's show? All right, thanks. So um, we're going to go to the outtakes here, and I hope I see you again on the next show. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed and um, uh, be listening to the outtake here because it'll tell you how to get a transcript of today's show if you'd like it. Thank you, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like a transcript, send an email to transcript at mindcontrolpodcast.com. Be sure to click subscribe if you're not already subscribed, and I will see you again on the next episode of the Mind Control Podcast. Thank you, and have an awesome day. 
Unless otherwise noted, the information expressed in this podcast is copyrighted by Jim Nippenberg. The music in this podcast is used by permission of Mike Stewart at podcastinstall.com. This podcast is for informational and motivational purposes and spiritual insights. The author and publisher do not offer any type of psychological, legal, medical, or financial advice. No warranties or guarantees regarding this content are expressed or implied. Neither the publisher nor author shall be liable for physical, psychological, emotional, financial, commercial damages, including but not limited to special, incidental, consequential, or other damages, you are responsible for your own actions and results.